But it wasn't that Jesus was just better for the sake of it. There was somehow in which Jesus was fulfilling things. So Hebrews is making this clear statement who Jesus is. Jesus is significant. But it's also got this beautiful language. It's referencing a lot of the Old Testament. It's referencing a lot of Jewish culture. It has a bit of a weird toing and froing. It has a lot of positive statements and then a lot of warnings. And actually, Hebrews, you can't help but see this pattern. It feels a bit stark, feels a bit awkward. But actually, there's something really positive that comes throughout it. Jesus is going to speak clearly through these, these passages together. When you think of a, of a warning, often it's not bad news. You go to a cliff and it says, do not jump. That, that's pretty good advice. You go towards something that's hot and it says, do not touch. It's pretty good advice. But in our culture, we somehow think that telling people not to do stupid things is somehow restrictive. But I'm quite happy if you say, do not put your fingers on that hot oven, because it will hurt you. I get that. So as we go through Hebrews, there's a little bit of these warning statements, if you like, but actually they're positive warnings, because they're telling us, don't, don't dwell there, because the answer is found in Jesus. Now, the picture that came to my head uh, was terms and conditions. Have we seen these? Most of us just click accept, let's be honest. Do you accept the terms and conditions? Accept. Did you read them? Accept. <laughs> Do you care? Accept. Are you still alive? Accept. Are you a robot? Find all the different bits of street. Uh, and it's all of them. Anyway, terms and conditions that nobody really understands or reads are often part of a competition. I don't know whether you watch uh, trashy TV, but basically there's normally something that goes like this. Do you want to win £70,000? And the answer is yes. Everybody would like a little bit of money. Uh, you'd tithe 10% to the church. Thank you. And then there's this weird terms and conditions. Players must be over 18. Players must seek the bill payers' permission. Free. They must be free on a Tuesday at 11.02. They must wear a green cardigan. They must be able to juggle whilst fire breathing. And for more details, see our website. You're like, but they say it in such a fast way. You can never hear those next time there's one on. Listen, about the green cardigan. It's there. But we, we see those terms and conditions. We sort of ignore them and just enter the competition anyway. Or some of you are too holy to enter the competition. Well done. Um, but that's what we do. We ignore the terms and conditions. Unless Apple are watching and I've read every single one for the updates. I don't just send them to my email. Okay. You also have this at the start of a film. I don't know whether you've got this. I don't like particularly scary things. I don't like particularly violent things. And so if a film comes on the telly and it says, the following film will contain graphic violence, I'm like, no, you're all right. Go back to Faulty Towers, which the frying pan's quite aggressive, but it's safe. Whereas other people, they thrive on it. Like, graphic violence? Sign me up! I've got a friend. Have you seen how Oh, it's realistic? Oh, it's horrible. That's what it is. But there's something of that. We warn each other about stuff, and yet often we walk towards it. So the silly sort of illustration brings to mind, how are we living our lives? Do we read the terms and conditions of things? Do we read into what people are saying? Don't go there. It's not good. Oh, I'll have a look. See, I'll, I'll make my own decisions. So what we're trying to think about is... Who is Jesus? Well, in Hebrews, he's somehow completing the role that others weren't able to do. 
He's somehow better than the previous concept. He's somehow the new to the old. I had a great lecturer at uni who had this beautiful phrase, even better if. Your work would be, <laughs> happened a few times, your work would be better even, sorry, even better if you did this. If you, when you're in front of a group of people, it would be even better if. All of those different things. And today we hear about Moses and how Jesus was going to go on to be even better if he was able to do some of the things that Moses was unable to do. So Moses, we've got a cool bit here that's in and over. Okay, in and over are the words that the Hebrew writer puts down. So Moses was in the family of God, and he had faith in God and his house, God's family. But Jesus is the faith that goes over everything. Jesus isn't in the house, he's over the house. This idea that we're in God's house, we're in God's family, and Jesus, his glory shadows over us, and we can be, we're invited to be in his family. He looks after us, and he oversees each one of us. Then in the uh, scripture, it continues into this today language. It's taken from Psalm 95, and it's got this idea, this story language of the people of God moving around the wilderness, and basically they get distracted or bored or whatever else on the way to the promised land, And they end up turning away from God and taking on the patterns of the world or taking on new gods. And they end up being described as people with unbelieving hearts. It's almost like they've lost God in their thoughts. So if at the start of the passage it's saying, therefore, holy brothers and sisters, fix your thoughts on Jesus, it's almost like they kept losing Jesus in their thoughts. It led to rebellion. It led to them falling away from God. And then the writer of Hebrews said, even They even then ended up missing out on the Sabbath. They missed out on their specific time with God, their resting time. And it almost has this language of endless cycle of, well, just horrendousness. I don't know whether horrendousness is a word, but I'm going with it. Just this cycle that they can't seem to get out of. They're in a cycle of grief in the middle of the wilderness. We've talked a lot about Sabbath over the last few months here as a church, but the idea is that we take time out to be with Jesus, to allow him to be our main focus, and hopefully then he continues to be our focus throughout the week. But there's that specific time. It's a time where we find peace and a time where we find rest. But that also speaks bigger because we have Jesus who brings us the ultimate peace with God, which allows us to rest. Whereas there's the idea that the Israelites, are there, they're churning out, they're trying to prove themselves, they're trying to follow the law, and then they go rebellious. They're stuck in a cycle that cannot be broken. We're all invited into a cycle where Jesus has stopped. He's added the peace, and it takes away that continuous cycle of grief. So how can we, as a group of people here this morning take on board some of the stuff that was written to a group, probably Jewish Christians, many, many years ago, which is based on stuff that happened even longer ago. What is the point of it? Well, I think the point is this. Jesus is good news. There you go. You can go home. Well done. Thank you. Jesus is good news. I hope you know that already. But he also brings a challenge. The invitation 
is for everybody, and the invitation is free. But the challenge is harder. It's awkward. What Jesus requires of us is awkward, but the difference is he is with us as he asks us. So the good news is Jesus asks you in to his family that he is over. We can be in, which comes with the ability to then give our lives over to God. In and over. We come in and we receive the inheritance of the kingdom of God, which will be over all things once and for all. This is good news. And we fix our eyes on Jesus as we meet, sorry, our thoughts on Jesus as we meet. And the challenge then is how do we live that within our families? How do we live in a way that honors Jesus, that is good news to others, when life's really hard, when we can be stuck in a bit of a cycle of grief? How can we not live these rebellious lives, which, when we get things wrong, can spiral out of control? How can we walk towards and with Jesus? Now, we're not able to make ourselves holy. We long to be holy, and the only person who can make us holy is Jesus. He's the one that sets us apart. We are set apart because of who we're with, not because of our works. But it doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to do the things that Jesus invited us to do. Now, I was um, trying to work out a way to illustrate this, and an odd children's story came into my head, and I thought, I can't, I can't go into church and tell a children's story, because it just, it's not right. But then it, over the last three or four weeks, I was like, it's definitely the right point. It's definitely the right point. So I'm going to tell a children's story. And as I was thinking it through, I was like, God, you really need to make this clear if this is the right point to make. And I feel that it was. And somebody at the nine said it was. So it might have just been for the nine, but hopefully it's for all of us. But this story you might know. And one of the things I love about Jesus is when he was with people, he told stories that they probably would have known with a different ending or a story that was common to the people. And so I hope you've heard this story before, because if not, I could ruin it for you. Um, and there are several ways in which I could do that. But hopefully, this will be used to illustrate the point. So the story goes like this. A girl is walking. That's fairly normal so far. But she's alone and she's small. If we really want to do safeguarding, don't let your little kids walk on their own in random places. Second point, she's in a forest on her own walking. Write that down. Don't let little girls walk in the forest on their own unless you're with them. Anyway, this is what happens. She's hungry, natural response for a child. So she goes looking for food. Where does she go? It's very specific, yes. We'll get there. Uh, she goes into a house, and she comes across three bowls of porridge. There we go. Three bowls of porridge. Now, I didn't write it, so don't tell me off for the stereotypes. But the first one is a big daddy bowl of porridge. And the person eats it, and it is too... Too hot! Good. You can have some enthusiasm in the storytelling, that's right. So Goldilocks says, oh, I can't eat that, it's too hot. She comes to the next one, which she's guessing is mother's, and she finds it too cold. Too cold. We get in there. Oh, it is cold, actually. Been here since 8.30. And then she goes to baby bears, and it's 
Just right. And what does she do? She, she eats it all down. I had to leave a bit for the nine so it would work here. Yeah. She says, oh, that's yummy. So after she's finished that mammoth meal of porridge, which has satisfied her hunger, she then thinks, I need a rest. So she heads to the chair department. Who has a special chair in the house? Shame on you. You should share everything. <laughs> Sorry, you shouldn't shame people in church. That was an accident. So the first chair she comes to is... Is Daddy's chair, and it's... Too hard. Too hard. Oh, it is, yeah. It's a bit boxy as well. You get trapped in by the arms. So she thinks, I'm not sitting on there. Then she goes to Mummy's chair, and it's too... It's too soft, and I think it's a bit, a bit squeaky for me. Okay, and then she goes to baby's chair, and she finds it just right, and then she breaks it. But I haven't got the budget to break the chair, so we're just, it's broken. Okay. Then she goes upstairs. I've got porridge in my mouth. Good job I brought a lemonade. Sorry. Then she goes upstairs, and what does she do next? She sleeps. She's tired. So she goes to Daddy's bed, and it's too hard. And then she goes to Mummy's bed, and it's too soft. And then she goes to Baby Bear's, and it's just right. And she gets into bed, and she falls asleep. Then what happens? Who comes home? The bears. Who knew bears had houses, Hey. So the bears come back and they burst in through the door and Daddy Bear's thinking, yes, finally, my porridge will be a perfect room temperature. And Mummy's thinking it will still be cold. And Baby's like, ah! So they go in. <gasps> Somebody's been eating my porridge. We, we know the story. And then they go to the chairs. Somebody's been sitting in my chair because they've got special chairs. And then Baby Bear realises his chair is broken and he's devastated. And there's a lovely story called A Chair for Baby Bear, which is a follow-up. Give you that one for free. And then they go up the stairs, and in the bedroom, they take the first bed. Oh, somebody's been in my bed. Hands up, who makes the bed in the morning? I don't know where my voice went then. Morning then? <laughs> if you don't make your bed in the morning, you won't be an NBA star, okay? Michael Jordan said, make your bed every morning. That way you win your battles. I don't know what it means. Okay, then the second bed, and then the third bed. Goldilocks is still in it. She ends up running away. So, I know what you're all thinking. What on earth does this have to do with Jesus? Let's go back to the notes and find out. Two things. The first is, don't go into a house that is owned by bears. I can see some note takers. Put that down. Don't enter a bear's house. Point number two. I think if we're not careful, we can end up as a Goldilocks generation, okay? Goldilocks is on the path to somewhere. We'll use that metaphor. We are walking, hopefully, towards God in our lives. And at times, we can get distracted and head off course, okay? So that's the first thing I think that God was saying. Some of us, we're on the way, but we keep getting distracted, just as the rebellious lot that were known as the Israelites in this passage. Then the second thing is, when we're at the table eating, she's going through, and it's not right, it's not perfect. She wants it exactly how to be. The same with the chairs. She's looking for what she 
craves. And then eventually she goes upstairs and sleeps. And it's this sense that if we're not careful, we spend our whole lives looking for exactly the right thing. And we end up in a place that we didn't mean to be. And we end up either running away scared or things go completely wrong. So for me, as I was thinking about this passage, it just it sounds ridiculous, but I just felt that God was saying, we're not to be Goldilocks. We're not to go around looking for the perfect thing. We're actually just meant to fix our thoughts on him, and he will unveil the rest. And actually, as a church, we need to make sure that we don't become like Goldilocks worshippers. As we come in, oh, this is my seat. This is comfy. I like this one. Oh, I hope they're serving the nice coffee afterwards. Not too hot, not too cold. I hope they've got the nice biscuits. Because really, I can't focus on Jesus without the nice biscuits, the nice chair, and the nice coffee. But actually, our thoughts are bigger than that. Those things are nice, but they're ultimately irrelevant. That we don't become transactional Christians. That we don't come to church to say, right, God, I want my prayers, I want my Bible reading, I want a semi-interesting talk. Uh, Oh, thanks. Uh, I want passionate, well-led worship. Keep up the good work. You know, we're not here with a tick list. We should come empty, ready to see what God has for us. So our message as we go through these next few weeks is that of the person who wrote to these Hebrews. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Let's look to Jesus. Let's say, Jesus, tell me what to know about these, this Hebrews letter. But here's the clear message. When we focus on Jesus, he's the inviter. He's the one who's over all things, and he invites us in. He's the peace bringer, the person who helps us to rest, to recover. He provides the Sabbath for us. And he is the good news, the greatest news, the best story ever told, better than a small fable. These passages are an invitation then to each and every one of us to be invited in to God's family. So as we pause now, as we allow God's spirit to minister to us, Jess is going to lead us through, yeah, Jess is going to lead us through just some ideas that we can be thinking about, and I will move the distractions quietly. Let's just turn to God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we just pray that we will see and glimpse you now in new ways, in exciting ways, as we see that you are over all things and that you're in our hearts too.